0: Hello, my name is Fleur Emery. Welcome to the award-winning Real Work podcast. Real Work is my online membership that democratizes business learning for women. We create content and community that will improve your confidence, knowledge and network by around 50% in as little as three months. And we know that because we've been measuring the data. The Real Work podcast brings you loose and lively conversations, very lively at times, <laughs> with women who have taken the women's work Rulebook and ripped it up. And sometimes even used it for hamster bedding we're here to show you what's possible for you in your own career so have a good listen and enjoy now let's find out who's coming up on today's episode this week on the real Work podcast our guest is marine tongi an art entrepreneur speaker, and she's also the founder and CEO of MT Art Agency, the first agency of artists worldwide. They have three locations with more coming. The most captivating thing about Maureen is how much she's enjoying her extraordinary career, which she kind of manifested by imagining when she was very young. I hope you enjoy hearing her story. Welcome to the Real Work Podcast, Maureen.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Where are you calling from today? I'm calling
1: from the office, Luke, in London. View, yes, that's the London, the London office.
0: And on um, on any given Zoom call, you're never knowingly filmed without um, an eye-catching piece of art in shot.
1: I mean, it will be controversial if I wasn't filming art. Will be the answer. But the last time you had me in my bedroom, though, so this is quite a it's quite <laughs> an improvement. It goes
0: from a bedroom to an office. You know, I can only think of this as an improvement. I think this might be the same artist, though. You've got a piece in your home, which is a round gilt yeah. like, sort of. So
1: you had the one of Andrea Tirimos. but, but definitely there was a few in my office, uh, in my house also, from David saint Do you
0: um do you think I've got a good eye?
1: you do but also like I feel like for five minutes you were probably stuck as I was trying to work out my microphone <laughs> to look at this work so maybe that's actually a sales strategy is that I just pretend I don't know what I'm doing and then people have to look at this piece of art for five should we minutes de- <laughs> should
0: we describe it for the listener it looks like a piece <laughs> um, of canvas
1: with a whole hole David um is passionate about the environment so what he does is he wants to represent different relationships that we will have about us. Here the idea is that if you just scratch the surface, you realize that there's value beneath it. So you basically see cement that has been covered with gold leaf. And then the first wooden panel on top is painted um, oil that he has burnt um, with a blue torch. And, and that's the idea that we're destroying something that's of value. So as you kind of scratch this over, then you realize that there's value
0: destroying something of value. That's um, the zeitgeist, isn't it, in the art world? Well, yeah, and I think it's
1: also very much a feeling of a generation, is that we are not looking after what matters most. So I think it's, um, he's, he's been capturing the essence of, um, of a lot of that generation. I just came back from Cup 26 so I think he was capturing very much that feeling that we were destroying things of value.
0: For people who don't know you, Main Tongi Art is your business that you created on the back of quite a sort of stratospheric young career in the art world. You 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 entered the art world with a bang, and um, then you decided to rewrite the script a bit. Can you tell us about your twenties? My twenties, I'm very grateful for them. Um, I
1: was a young Gary manager of as uh, Steve Lazaridis who discovered Bank CNJR when I was 21. And it basically enabled me to not only learn from someone who had uh, challenged the rules a few times, but also see the the impact that artists like them could have, not just in the art world but also outside of it. So I think it was a truly inspirational place to be in. And then I was. Can approached- I just talk to you,
0: for people who don't know Steve Lazarides, like what what why was he such a significant mentor?
1: I think the... So, obviously, he discovered Banksy um, and JR, which are two of the leading figures of the street art world. And he grew up with Banksy. So I think what was interesting is that, you know, he was a council estate boy to start with. You know, he wasn't from a traditional or privileged background. So I think he was able to see the, the impact of the arts to people who were not part of the art world per se, which is probably why his vision was so strong. And I think, yeah, I think why was it an impact? It was exactly for this because, you know, he came at the art world from a very different background. So he was able to give it a lot more value and and um, and a different look as well to the ones that were already in it. And then I was running this gallery for him for two years. And I was approached, if not approached, by an investor in Los Angeles who had an advertising company called Steph Sabag. And he asked me to create my own art gallery when I was 23 in LA on Melrose Avenue in Beverly Hills. And fast forward, I think I always fast forward a lot because, of course, 20s are charged. But therefore, when I was running this gallery at 23, that was my own gallery, I met Michael Levitz, who built one of the largest talent agencies in the world in the music and film space. Um, to give you an idea, like Michael in the 80s used to be behind the carriers of a Steven Spielberg. Or Tom Cruise, and um, and that kind of really inspired me to think that there was no such thing as a talent agency in the art world. So came back six years ago to build MT Art Agency, which now has three locations as a business: um, London, Paris, and Monaco. And then about to have two more locations next year. Early next year. It, it sounds very strange as a founder to say that, but we're the number one globally on the talent agency front. And then we've also built um, a creative agency that's attached to it. So we basically advise people on how to integrate art into the most extraordinary of contexts, whether it's public art or whether it's brand collaboration. Or, you know, right now, if you walk through the streets of London, you will see a good 20 of our projects um, that we've incorporated just only in London. So it's a very nice story. I mean, also, I spoke to you last on the on the user podcast at the start of the lockdown, and I think we are one of the companies that has been drastically accelerated um, through this. And I think we had this conversation where I was like, "I think for us it's a good thing," and and I was you know I was still not completely sure if that was the case. Um, and yeah, we we tripled size wise through that year, and I've been able to hire the ex director of partnership of Vogue uh, Blue and three entrepreneurs sold their companies and joined me. So things have completely changed for me and same with the caliber of artists I've joined. And it's it's really exciting. I think it's very strange to be in a position where we know we have all the chances in the world to build a large company that we wanted and now to be incredibly careful in how we're going to do that. Um, So it's a very special time, but totally grateful to my 20 self is the answer. Um, By far, that's the person that took all the risk. I'm now the person that's trying to preserve the risk she took. Uh, but I have very little credit in comparison to the 20s person.
0: I sometimes feel, Marine, when I, when I revisit your career, that you, I don't know if you know how extraordinary it is.
1: I, well, it's not that I don't know. I think it's, I'm definitely very, very grateful. Like, I, I, I'm aware that I have a chance, there was a chance in thousands, if not millions, to get to the position we're in. Um, I think it's really weird, but I had visualized a lot of it, so it makes me sound like a complete freak to be saying this. But I generally, I'm, I have, I'm really in the life that I had a hope for myself ten years ago. I, I think when I was wishing for it, I was aware that the, you know, it was unlikely to happen. But I'm definitely one of those persons that has walked into the life that, um, you know, I had hoped. Um, on all levels, which is which is very lucky, but also very surreal, and equally very familiar, because that's exactly what I wanted.
0: You didn't grow up in this world of ha- ultra high net worth individuals and Monaco and um, art concepts, is that right?
1: No, I, I grew up far from it. Um, I grew up in a small island on the west coast of France um, called Ile de Re. And there was 9,000 people a year. So we're five of the same age at school. Um, but I can't quite explain. I don't think, I, you know, I never dreamed anything financially. I think I'm not, you know, I will never be someone that will dream numbers. But I did dream the level of impacts, the level of projects, the, the caliber of the artist, um, the size of the company and, and more. And I'm lucky to be inhabiting it now. But it is exactly the same as 10 years ago. It's very strange, isn't it? Uh, it could be the, the start of a very strange conversation. So I think it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful day.
0: conversation. And what I want, I, I want, pe- I want women, women to hear that. I want women to hear that that's possible. You know, to some extent, I identify with you. You know, I, I feel very, very lucky and grateful in my life every day.
1: That's so nice. But that makes me very happy. And you've been doing so well over the past couple of years as well. I've, I keep on seeing the, the rise of it, which is really nice.
0: And just as you were saying, in your personal life, You know, my family life, how fulfilled I am and what balance I've achieved, and those kind of things. But I sometimes feel a certain Britishness about not letting people know, you know, this whole kind of culture of like saying, oh, it's hard though. It is hard, you know. And often I don't feel like it's very hard.
1: Well, I think that there are always challenges to everyone or every life. I think it will be, of course, impossible to have a life of no challenges. I do. Well, I definitely wouldn't have a concept of Britishness, but for me, it's not a case of saying, look how, how amazing we are. It's also, we are weighting the responsibilities. There's been so few disruptors in the sector that we're now in a position where the impact we wanted to have, we have it and we can have more. And I think for me, it's more the weight of the responsibilities. It's more the luck factor in knowing that we are in that position. We have to just make sure that we're doing it the right way. Um, yeah I think all lives have challenges and obviously they are all, some sadly have way more challenges than others. Um, I think that's the difference between my 20s and my 30s self is the fact that there there are consequences to to being in the position of, of strengths that we are in today.
0: Power, we're talking about how we exercise power because at the beginning of your career, one of the things that you observed in your industry that you went on to disrupt and change was the balance of power weighted in favour of um, customers and um, in- investors? And you've gone on to support artists to make and sell work on their own terms.
1: I think power is a really strong. It's really it's interesting because you asked me, did I visualise wealth? And the answer is, I am not a wealth obsessed person, but I am obsessed with equality. Um, I think I have issues. I have issues with power, but not in the sense that I want more power, in the sense that I have issues with the, the gaps of who has power, who hasn't. And I don't want to be in a position either when I'm the one with all the power. But I do think I'm lucky to have a personality who can understand power dynamics and probably reverse them if not tackle them. And I don't know where that comes from, but I think it's very helpful in my job to kind of understand how all the power dynamics between people works out.
0: When did... um? When did you know how you felt about art? Like, when did art, you know, what's that thing? I mean, um, Pablo Neruda said, like, but poetry came and found me. When did art come and find you?
1: I think creativity found me, like, the love for what's beautiful found me really early. Like, um, as much as we were on a remote island, like, you know, I will get up in the morning and see the sea, and there's nothing more beautiful, especially in the winter. It's, like, absolutely stunning. So I think the appreciation of how something beautiful and visually beautiful can heal you or can make you feel better was definitely super early. Like I had, um, we, we spoke about it another time, but I had that little routine when I was a kid to just sit in front of it for hours. Like it was a very, so I think the recognition of how powerful this will be uh, and this could be on your mental health was definitely there. I think I couldn't come across with real art for a long time because it just was not existing where I came from. But um, but the painting that really moved me first was Jericho um, at the Louvre, which is a very large painting called the Raft of the Medusa. It's a very political painting because it's a horrible story of a shipwreck in the nineteenth century where um, they let the poor basically eat themselves alive while the rich was getting sent off home. You know that's it's a cliche saying that this work of art is thousands of thousands of words, but there was so much of it in it. And and so you were, so it really struck me. I think that was by far my first relationship with an artwork, um, which is interesting because the power dynamic was in that too, but obviously it took me years to kind of know why I was so moved. And as a, as a business person, of course, I think with my head and I think with rationales and metrics and all the things required, but that was very much of a stomach feeling. Um, I was, you know, my stomach was boiling as I was watching that painting. Um, and I think that's what got me to want to be in a sector, which is the stomach feeling. And then my brain helped me hopefully making the right decision, but it was very much of a stomach feeling first before it was a head feeling.
0: How old were you when you saw that painting?
1: 17. Where is it hung? Le Louvre in Paris. It's it's massive, so you can't miss it. Um, and actually, it's quite an interesting story because uh, the painter used an oil, which at the time people didn't know how destructive that oil was. But actually, the painting is slowly disappearing, which is quite beautiful because it reinforces the meaning per se of the painting. It's very metaphysical, but we you may never be able to see that painting in a hundred years' time because of the it's it's being darkened through the pigment itself, um, which is quite fascinating as a story, I think.
0: We need to go, um, we need to get on the Eurostar, Buckers. You have it 100 years, but yes,
1: you do need to go soon. (laughs) I
0: haven't been to the Louvre, and I'm now the um, parent of an artist.
1: Oh, well, so you cannot say you haven't been to the Louvre. That's almost a
0: crime in itself. You have to go to the Louvre. Yeah, I'm not going to ask, Buckers, if you've been. I did have, I've had some similar experiences. Have you been? no guys nice.
1: that's like i mean this is almost something i would re- rethink your existence for and
0: book a train ticket tomorrow for that matter do you um do you want do you want to sign off now Marie? in the in room 101 eh, eh. and then we'll get a cease and desist letter from your lawyer saying <laughs> do not publish my words on that podcast it's all right listen i'm going to regain some of my artistic integrity now In that I had a similar experience um, as a 15 year old when I saw Guernica and and um, I didn't know anything about it. I was mucking around. I was probably smoking fags off the back of the coach. And I went in and then I saw it and quietly had a moment and almost fainted. And um, Also, when I went to Latin America when I was 21 and the Mexican muralists, that's my bag.
1: That's interesting, because that's actually... Genica is quite similar to Jericho in the sense that they are very stomach-based painting. They are just... They're like a punch, right? And um, a punch with layers of thoughts, because it's not like... It's, it's not provocation, but it is hard to digest, I think. And that's what I, I found them stomach like paintings, because they're the kind of books or movies that you watch, and um, you just you have to process because there's just a lot of it and it's a lot in the stomach, you know?
0: And the funny thing was that it wasn't the human suffering that disturbed me, it's the animal suffering in Kernigha. That's interesting. People like,
1: don't like those people, but would save the animals.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think maybe we used to, maybe we've seen a lot of war images by that age. And um, the animal thing was not depicted, and it was very surprising. That's interesting.
1: Well, I think any form of suffering, you have to be a monster not to feel it. Um, and I, but I, it's interesting that it wasn't something relatable. It was also another life almost being impacted that was really the shock factor.
0: Yeah. Ahead of this podcast, when I was preparing for it. I um, I thought, it's okay, I can handle this conversation because, yeah, I know about Mexican muralism. I know about pre-Columbian art in Mexico. I did a whole lot of that. In fact, I did my dissertation on the Mexico City Museum of Anthropology That's um, on the Aztec and Olmec art, anyway. And then suddenly, I don't know if you have this bucket. I think, yes, I know about art. I know what we're talking about. And then sometimes I can think, I don't know what art is. I don't actually know what it is. I still have. That phenomenon. It's a, it's a mysterious thing for you to plant a business in an industry where many of us still struggle to define what it is that's
1: on offer. It's interesting, because it should be the easiest. So, my son um, was seeing things, obviously, unless you're blind, before he could speak. Um, and actually, 83% of our communication is visual. Uh, the way you digest information is visual, whether it's advertising on the streets, anything, it's visuals. So our brains are way more visuals than they are verbal per se. And that's the way we also kind of judge people, interact and like, it's, it's such a huge part of our society. And um, I think the art world has made it unaccessible, but I think the visual world is, is accessible to all. It's one most powerful world ever. Um, and And I think we all know a bit about this. I think if we were to decompose the decision we made in our life, where we live, why? What we consume? All of these things are based on visuals that we've seen, and art informs a part of them. My wish will be that it informs more of them. Um, but you know, you are in a complete visual world, and actually, our generation has never been consuming more visuals. Like it's all day long that we consume them, coded with information that decides and shapes us. Um, but but you'd be you'd be surprised at how visual literate you are. um I think the fact that a, a world um like yeah. the art world's been made and accessible is because that's a luxury asset um but the luxury asset doesn't govern the visual sector, it's a part of it, but we already although we're integrated in the art world, we're not just in the art world, we're totally in the visual sector as well um and that's only a part of it so. Um yeah, I, I'm probably the wrong person to answer that question, therefore, because I think everyone would know something about it. Um I don't think you would need to be part of the art world to be sensitive to it or to understand the impact it has on you. But I also can comprehend why you have been made felt that you didn't know anything about it. So I understand that the that that reaction.
0: And it's a it's a question that lots of artists kind of deal with isn't it because it's about about context about something is art in a certain context a piece of chewing gum stuck on the wall is art in a gallery but um litter on the street
1: yeah but I think in the a, in a same way that um I mean ultimately you know if you think of it as a visual documentation so I do obviously a piece of chewing gum being an anecdote I it doesn't exist per se but I think it's you know, like a can, like the tomato cans of Andy Warhol are representative of his times, right? And and they will be as interesting as looking at the grand show with the 14 on, on the museum scale because they are capturing an essence of a specific time that defined it. So I'm not against that. I think I'm just against the fact that there has been so little context being given to people into apprehending to why But I think I'm at the stage of my career where I generally can look at anything um, and find it interesting. You know, you pass a stage where everything is interesting um, and the existence of um, something visual is interesting per se. So I think, but I think I'm not sure the piece of Shingon will be, as much as it doesn't exist, will be the most accessible entry level. Um, Equally, I think it should exist within it. Because I think you know we are discussing the visual world and everything should be a part of it whether someone then agrees I want to really look at it or not that's a separate opinion um, but I'm I'm, I'm I'm for one that would be looking at all types of visuals and they all have their importances I think and they and their significations
0: so this this podcast a real world podcast is about women who have written their own job description and have had success Um after creating their own career. And that answer was so apposite because it gave us a glimpse into the mystery of how you've achieved such grace and success in your career. And you just said, you know, I've reached a point in my career when I find everything interesting. Your curiosity has expanded instead of contracted. And often I've seen the opposite trajectory when people have, yeah, have people, men who have become, gosh, that slipped out then. (laughs) people I should have said <laughs> oh that that's a bit of a giveaway isn't it that the more um the bigger the team becomes the more investors they have the more responsibility they have the more power if you like they have the less curious they become and you're you've described the opposite which is that that's music to my ears um so first of all I know
1: why the podcast exists because you've been doing the same. You've been creating your own personal and trouble yourself. So it makes complete sense to why you therefore will be exploring what most people have done there. Uh, and so I'm very grateful to be invited as part of it. Um, why has my curiosity expanded? You know, it, it's a funny thing because my brain was concentrated on making something happen. So I had this this little vision for 10 years of... I need to get to this point. This point looks like this. It will be meaningful and enjoyable uh, once I reach this point. And this point was um, having the company that I have today, working with a type of artists and the caliber of artists I work today, but also equally having a team that inspires me every day, um, and being a mum. It had to be on the same. And, and all of this had to happen within a time frame. So and I was beyond stress. If you had met me at 19 or 20, I was very anxious. I was like, this is, it all has to happen when it has to happen and that mattered to me. So I think i um, you know, I think I worked so hard for it because I don't know how, I don't know who gave it to me but I was carrying the anxiety that it was not possible to have those. So I was carrying it in my body, even at a 19 or 20 years old that for some reason this was not possible so I had to work extra hard for that reality to happen. So I think, you know, I built up, I turned to this point where I'm very lucky to have both and be very happy in it for the last couple of years. And so I think it's almost as my world has reopened. First of all, because the new story has to be rewritten in a sense that like, I've reached the point of, this is what mattered the most to me and I have it. So now I have to preserve it, but I also now realize that like, I have to expand it because we have reached a a position where we can really change a sector quite drastically if we decide to. And we need to understand how we're going to do this. I need to now rethink what's the next chapter of the story, because I felt that this was the biggest part of the dream is what I had. So now I have to redefine the next chapter. So I think this is probably why I'm on a high peak of curiosity. And I'm also really in a time of my life where I spend my life listening. Like I listen and listen and listen and like a sponge. Because I'm just trying to understand what is a company culture in our world that I would like. Like, what does that mean in expansion? Under what terms? How do we preserve the terms we had initially defined? Um, what you know, we're kind of redefining every every angle of it. So I'm just listening and listening and listening. Um, so I think my curiosity is probably linked to my phase in life, which is one of listening. Um, I also just enjoy the joy of not having the pressure of getting to a point and actually instead generally kind of, you know, getting in all the knowledge I can, uh, before I redefine a north pole. for me personally. I mean, I have the north pole for my company but I have to almost redefine mine as well, um, which has been really interesting because my company has become more, a lot more than Marine. There's people who, there's been deals and contracts that have been signed where no one cares about who Marine is, which is amazing. But I think it means
0: I have to redefine what that next tenure is. Those transitions are very hard to manage from a very small team when it's like, well, I think not as manage, I think that different personalities enjoy different stages of the business. And um, to move from the sort of the family stage, to the clan stage, to the sort of the country stage, you know, to, those transitions can be quite difficult and being able to thrive in them. You know, that's a great talent. And I think what you're describing is um, growth mindset, that curiosity, the expanding curiosity is a great clue to how you've achieved the success and uh, managing to enjoy it, which is a, a lovely thing. To witness if people want to find out more about the work that you do where should they look maureen so hopefully as
1: you walk through the streets now you should see our name on quite a few things which will be exciting otherwise definitely our website Agency, or instagram as well mtartagency um we should be popping out on a on a few things regularly because i keep on getting this as a feedback that we are popping up on people's mind a lot um, and you could see us on a brand collaboration, like we the latest face of Gucci is coming from us and so literally we were projecting on Marble Arch three weeks ago. So this, there's so many places you could see us, which was the whole point of it. It was how can we be part of your visual world, you know? Um, but yeah, that's the best place
0: is so Instagram and the website. It's been an enormous pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. It was better, John. Merci au revoir. That's it for today's episode of The Real Work Podcast. Thank you for being with us. This is the part where we remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And Buckers will probably tell me off if I don't ask you to please rate and review on Apple Podcasts because apparently when you do that, our content reaches more listeners. If you're curious about real work, the online membership improving women's confidence, knowledge and network, head to our website doreal.work and sign up for our super newsletter, The Real Worker. All the details that you need to connect with us in any way, you'll find in the show notes.